When it comes to leadership, there is no need to reinvent the wheel. Character is what eventually makes or breaks leaders. Yet, it's the most ignored and overlooked aspect of leadership development today. We have the perfect leadership role model, and that's Jesus. We simply need to follow his lead, allowing him to work in and through us. Welcome to Lead Like Jesus podcast. Leadership starts on the inside. That is Rich Cummins. I am Freddie Scott, and this is the Lead Like Jesus podcast, where leadership starts on the inside. This is your podcast, Kingdom Leaders, and we're so glad that you're joining us today. In today's episode, we're talking about change management, the dynamics of change, and a prayer to help you manage change daily. You know, Rich, as we prepared for this episode, I got really excited because change is something that all of us, the entire world has been face to deal with, you know, with COVID and business models changing, students changing the way they, uh, they, they learn and go to school. Just everyone has been confronted with change and how do you deal with that? And today we're joined by probably the best person that we could talk to about change management. Yeah, I'm excited to introduce you to one of our founders, Phil Hodges. Phil, in 1997, concluded a long career, a successful career with Xerox Corporation and U.S. Steel to serve as a consulting partner with the Ken Blanchard companies before co-founding Lead Like Jesus with Ken in 1999. In In addition to helping leaders of faith walk their walk in the marketplace, Phil has developed a passion for bringing effective leadership into the church during six years as the chairman of the Elder Council in his local congregation. He is a co-author of six books, including Lead Like Jesus Revisited, Lessons from the Greatest Leadership Role Model of All Time. He also is the author of Leadership by the Book, co-author, The Servant Leader, and more. Phil and his wife, Jane, live in California, where they are involved in the happiest season of influence as parents and grandparents in their expanding family. And we are so thankful and we are so excited to welcome Phil Hodges to the podcast. Well, Rich, Freddie, this is exciting for me, too. Uh, Just seeing the new generation, you being representatives of this message and participating with it is a great thrill. Well, we're so excited to have you here. And we're going to go right into this content today. Uh, When I was thinking about this, I was reminded of a conversation I had with one one of my old football coaches. His name is Jim, uh, Jim Caldwell. He took over the Detroit Lions team when they had gone 0-16 the year before. You talk about change management and the issues as it relates to how do you change a culture? How do you go from a losing organization to a winning organization? And and I know, Rich, you've had a lot of experience in, in dealing with change and things of that nature as well. Yeah, change is something that can be very difficult for people, and you, and, you, and you can't just ramrod it through. And I've learned the hard way. When you do that, you turn the culture completely upside down. It takes, it takes leadership to make change happen. And so, Phil, let's talk about that. Why is this topic in particular so important as we lead like Jesus? Well, at the real basic level, leadership, as Kenneth always says, is always about going someplace. And that also means maybe taking some others with you. So it's, it's, a, it's an action-oriented uh, process that is always moving from where we are to someplace else, to some other kind of an attitude, another perception, better skills, 
and so forth. So in one, in one aspect, leadership is all about uh, change and what you do and why you do it. So it's, it's kind of a fundamental of the whole process. Wow. And, you know, it's interesting that a lot of times people don't process change manage the way you explained it, that that it is a process of leading and developing and growing with people, because many times people sort of have their own agendas, you know, put their vision or their agenda ahead of the people that they're serving. Why is that so detrimental when you're talking about trying to lead people and implementing change? Well, one of the things I say, Freddie, about leadership is, and this is the, the quality of the leadership, is the leadership is only as authentic as the highest purpose of the leader. Wow. wow. And if the, high, if the highest purpose of the leader is to win, a, win games or make money, and that's what he or she puts uh, the emphasis on, that's the only one that they can appeal to legitimately to others. They may fake it, but that's what's really important. What is my purpose that I am going to ask other people to join in with, to go with me to accomplish something together? I have, I've had great leaders and some leadership in development who just put it that way. <laughs> leaders in development. <laughs> and, and those leaders in development usually struggle when it came to character and integrity. And, and the true values that, that they use to, as their guiding principles and leading organizations. And so when issues will come up, you could tell quickly, are you doing this in order for us to win this game? Because the, the points at the end of the day was more important than me as a person. And as soon as the players or those people following that leader could tell that, you know, how many sales did you hit? Did you hit the quota? Or did you were you know did you score as many points or whatever? As soon as we realized it was transactional instead of relational, typically we lost the respect or that leader lost the effectiveness within the organization. Or are you even getting the best out of employees if they're not aligned with a vision and going somewhere? Talk about that, Phil. What 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 are you looking for out of employees, and how do you motivate them to really get behind that purpose? Well, first of all. If I give uh, employees or kids or anybody who have influence over a proposition that if you follow me or if you follow along or get in the program, there will be things of benefit and growth to you, then I have to be able to show them things that are of value. And those, first of all, how do I show them things of value, the things that I value? And if I'm open uh, to that and they can get on the value train then it is the demonstration of that value train uh, that will allow them to continue. The one thing I called, talked about vision, you know, way back was a vision is, you know, a, a preferred view of the future that builds passion in the leader. And then when communicated to others, builds commitment for the long haul. Wow. But what is the what is the leader passionately about? And this is why I uh, the easy uh, dropback is always Jesus. Yeah, you know what was he passionate about? What was the highest purpose? And how f committed was he in good times and bad times to it? And then he modeled it, taught it, and lived it out to its fullest. So that's you know why you can get excited about it is real, and it really does make for leader people that will uh, will follow you and follow uh, and actually maybe do better than you did in the first place.
Phil, we talk about seven dynamics of change and lead like Jesus. Can you go over those with us? Help us to understand exactly what those dynamics are. Yeah, I think, and I think they're pretty intuitive and there's some things we learned and, you know, and you can go into your own uh, experience about it. Uh, first, a definition of change, you know, if it changes uh, true change, uh, at first, it's going to be awkward. That's the number one thing. Uh, if we're taking somebody from something that's just an ad adapting uh, to the situation, that's one thing. But changing is going to be awkward, looking at things differently. Uh, you can do it everywhere from, I don't know if you're changing a golf swing or changing uh, the way you talk to your kids or whatever. When it's going out of the natural and in the thing inclinations and into uh, something that's different, it's going to feel awkward. You know, it's interesting from an athlete's perspective, uh, a lot of times when you're working with young athletes, you're trying to develop a new skill. So many times it takes so many reps before it becomes muscle memory, before it's something that you're not having to consciously think about doing it the right way. You mentioned a golf swing or or uh, follow through with a, with a basketball shot. For me, it was catching footballs in different angles and doing it so that way and when the pressure is on, we're going to revert back to our habits. We're going to revert back to what we normally do and even think. And so are there any ways in which if someone's struggling with that awkwardness of it doesn't feel comfortable, even though I know it's the right thing to do, even though I understand why it's important because you've communicated that vision, but it still feels so awkward. It's sort of like taking a bath with my clothes still on. It doesn't <laughs> feel right. You know? So how do you help somebody deal with that awkwardness? Well, first of all, give them a context of why you're doing it in the first place. Um, you know, if it's something that's not, not, uh, they're going to make a decision whether it not it's um, worth following on. Is it, is the change worth it? You know, take somebody who's a performer, who's then going to ask to drop back and do it differently. And their results may go down for a period while they're retooling. And you got to get your pride and your ego. So giving them a context Second of all, is just letting, you know, being upfront that it is going to be hard and it is going to be this and that. So it's not a surprise because people, are, you know, want, they were going through something tough, but if they don't know why, uh, then they're just going to say why well, it's not worth it. So that's why Jesus is always the best. He never, he never told anybody it was going to be easy. And he never told, uh, sugar-coated where they were going to go or what they were going to do. But the reward at the end was certainly what he was trying to uh, you know, explain to them. Same deal. If, if they're awkward, it's okay. If, it's, uh, if it, it's worth doing, keep with it, and we'll walk with you through it. Wow, Phil, that's so awesome. So that was the first dynamic of change. What's the second one? Well, as, you, as we all know, when, you know, when, you, when you change is... Uh, outside uh, and other people are doing it it's sort of theoretical or something you observe but when i got to do it and i'm the only one who really knows me then i may feel a little bit lonely mm. that I, I i you know and my rep my reputation may be um so that i know how to do things and it may just be that i have to uh, i'm going to feel um I, I don't want to say threatened but challenged uh, personally, uh, you know, you're telling everybody, but you don't know what you don't meet, don't know me, and what it's going to mean for me to change. 
So the, the antidote to that is first giving people a chance to uh, share the fact that, uh, yeah, I feel uh, this is awkward or I don't understand it or I can't do it or whatever, just to get that aloneness. We're all going through it together. And that's, that's a sense of community or talking it out or uh, letting people vent. And the biggest thing is uh, if, I'm, if somebody else even says something I hadn't thought about, I can feel okay with not being perfect at it beginning. You know, so many people would just shut up and never say, I don't know, and then try and fake it. All, we also know being alone, isolation in a time like this, we need community. It makes us better. It's healthy. And so now I'm getting the, I'm getting the program here, seven dynamics. And so what's the third dynamic of change, Phil? The third dynamic of change is people are looking at what, more concerned about what they're going to have to give up than what they're going to have to gain. You know, and the first the first part of that is that, you know, I invested a whole lot of time and effort in building this success, doing these things. So I have a, you know, I have invested and I've also sort of been known for or whatever it is. And if I have to now change, uh, I'm going to kind of worry about is the price worth it? And do I now regret that I'm going to have to give up that kind of stuff? And the kind of antidote to that, Rich, is, is to celebrate it as a part of the past, as a part of the up to now, you know wherever we are, that's gotten us here. And that's up to now. We could celebrate it. We can learn from it. But now the idea is moving to the from now on part. But you got to give people a chance to mourn uh, a vision of uh, we we're going to be able to continue just doing it this way and continue to be successful when the world has changed, when the games are changed. Uh, you know, we want to always go back to normal. Well, Normal isn't there, but we are still here adapting in the right way to the new stuff. So um, I think that the issue there, again, is being giving people a chance to celebrate the past, um, mourn or give honor to its loss. Thank you for your service. And then move on to the up from the up to now to the from now on. And that's what we're going to try and learn together. But, you know, when you talk about that, it's amazing when you look to Jesus, you know, the scripture tells us how Jesus endured the cross because the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame that, that, of course, you know, he didn't want to go to the cross. He said, Lord, is there any way that this cup can pass for me? Is there any other option? Uh, and God was like, no, you're it. That's Scott translation. Um, you know, you, uh, that there was a joy that was set before Jesus, yeah. that yes, I'm gonna to have to go through this process of sacrifice. I'm gonna to have to adjust and, and be separated from God for the first time in eternity. But there was a joy, there was a vision that God gave him of what the end result of that change would be and of what that sacrifice would be. And it was so meaningful. It created so much excitement, so much fullness of life that it allowed him to endure and take without even saying a word, what he had to go through because he had that clear vision. And, and what you shared is so powerful that if we as leaders don't share that vision, that's big enough, that, that creates, that stirs enough passion, then at the point where sacrifice meets, uh, meets that, that obligation, 
you know, I may opt out and stay where I am as opposed to make that sacrifice. And that, that is just so powerful. And for the sake of time, we only have time to cover one more of these principles. And so what is the fourth dynamic of change? The fourth thing is when people are faced with change, they're worried about resources. They don't maybe think they have enough. You know, like I'm too old to learn a new this, or I don't have enough that, or, um, and it's usually the things that they um, automatically think they have control over and that that's not enough. But when you're in kingdom work, we have unlimited resources as long as we'll go and ask for them, seek them, and first of all, be willing to understand that we need them. Wow! You know, is to and and we have all of the have all of the methodologies, but you know, take it in prayer, and it will expand your resource exponentially. When God says, "All power has been given to me," it came came through His Son. It's all available to you. It isn't what you control, but it is what I'm doing uh, that we can then start to see resources. Even in an organization, when people get fearful, uh, they start to hoard, hmm. protecting that which they have. Uh, my one example, I always like that in schools, when uh, the budgets were going down, the supply closet in the, in the, in the hall usually got emptied out and it said, we looks like we don't have any paper, you know, but every teacher had a stash. <laughs> they were hoarding it. They were they keeping were, it under their desk. Yeah. You know, they were, well, but, you know, in fear of lack. Yeah. Okay. So we may have more than enough if we get out of the fear and say, Hey, I've got some of this. I don't use it all. I've got some of this. Uh, I don't need as much, but that sense of community when we can get in that, we find our resources are much more, and certainly in the Lord's work, than we could ever imagine. You know, Phil, I've done a lot of work in uh, fund development, and and definitely there are those organizations and leaders that come to come to uh, come to it from a scarcity mentality. But really, we serve a God of abundance, don't we? Yeah, and a God of precision too. Uh, he never gives us more than we can handle, or more than we can rightfully use but he's never late and he's never sufficient. And it's, mm -hmm. and it's, but it's, you know, it, and it's sort of that kind of thing of holding something back in a rainy day when that rainy day never comes and that potential is never optimized. And that could be our own effort. It could be any other kind of a, of a resource we have spiritually, relationally, physically, financially, and what have you. So, uh, that's why, and it's and it's very exciting to be able to open up and say, you know, this is not, you know, we we serve we serve a God that you know is unlimited, you know, and and, uh, and so that's why people can sell. Well, I don't want to get into you know philosophies on things, but we can sell a sense of lack, mm -hmm. so that we can buy other levels of security that somebody else is selling. When we have mm. God that loves us to with ever and is going to protect us down to the molecule in the moment, you know, buying another lock on your door may make you comfortable, but that's not going to save you. Somebody, Phil, I could listen. I could listen to you forever on this. No, this is great. You know, uh, 
you have so many great uh, pearls of wisdom to draw on, and we've covered uh, four of those dynamics today. So those that are listening now, you're going to have to wait till the next episode to get the next three. And trust me, you're going to want to tune in for that one. Uh, but Phil, what kind of uh, what can we do to equip our audience today as they're thinking about change for tomorrow? First of all, don't get overwhelmed by it. And the way that I say you go, don't go to overwhelmed by it, I want you to say this. Jesus is the same yesterday, mm. today, and tomorrow. And you can bank on that, and you can plan to deal with change with that thing that will never change. Amen. That That is so reaffirming and and gives so much peace. And when that becomes the anchor of your reality of realizing, and that's something I used to tell my youth students and, and people in ministry all the time, that if you understand what God did yesterday, you know what he's doing today and you know what he's going to do tomorrow. And, and that affirms me that whatever I'm going through, he will take care of me. He will provide. He provided for me yesterday. He's going to provide for me again today that he is so faithful. He watches over his word to perform it. Thank you, Phil, so much for encouraging us today. And so now I want to wrap with Rich, if you wouldn't mind praying for these kingdom leaders that are watching and listening right now that have been challenged, but also encouraged and inspired, hopefully to start this process of change. Would you mind praying for them? Love to. Heavenly Father, you are the great world changer. We want to be on your agenda. We want to make our world a better place. Give us the grace to make right decisions, wisdom to treat others as you would uh, encourage them to take risks uh, that you see for us to lead like Jesus. And we say all these things in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, that's our show for today. We thank you so much for joining us. And until next time, we remind you that leadership starts on the inside. See you next time.